Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining me for episode 185, Histamine Intolerance with Dr. Becky Campbell. Allie Miller over here, riding solo for a moment before we bring Dr. Campbell on as my co-host, Becky Yu, is finishing up some charts and navigating all the things with crazy schedules during the season. So today will be just myself and Dr. Campbell, and I can't wait to share this information with y'all. We will be covering root causes of histamine intolerance. We will be discussing mast cell disorders, the connection of of the thyroid and adrenals to histamine intolerance, the primary enzymes used in the breakdown and removal of histamine buildup, and why you should care about this at all. What are the primary symptoms? What are the foods of high histamine? And where to get started to reset your body to be less reactive. So, so much to get into, but before I bring Dr. Campbell on and go into her bio, I want to share with you guys today's opening sponsor, Wild Foods. Wild Foods makes the cleanest, purest, sustainable food as medicine products available on the market. They painstakingly source from small farms around the globe, and they make things that live in my pantry, including my uh, vanilla bean powder, as well as their many mushroom tonics. They have turkey tail, they have reishi, they have mushroom blends, and my favorite teas. I keep my matcha from Wild Foods in the fridge (laughs) and use that a couple times a week. But I'm also using their Twilight Black Tea and the Thai G Tea, which is made with a green rooibos. It's caffeine-free, antioxidant-rich, and fabulous. So wildfoods.co is the place to go to check out a lot of these staples that you would use as nootropics. Nootropics, remember, are cognitive enhancers, and a lot of these mushrooms do that work, aiding to adapt our stress tolerance and aid in resilience, also enhancing cognitive performance. We see a lot of compelling research, for instance, on lion's mane. So adding a half or one teaspoon of that into your smoothie would be a great way to boost your brain health. Um, We use all sorts of compounds from Wild Foods, and I can't recommend them enough. Go on over to wildfoods.co, put in the code AllieMillerRD at checkout, and you will save 12% on your order. Again, I highly recommend you check out their medicinal mushrooms, their coffee, which is clean, free of mycotoxin, and their tea blends full of polyphenols and antioxidants, great for this time of the season to support immune health as well. Um, go on over to wildfoods.co, use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout, you'll save 12%. You'll let them know that you learned about them through the Naturally Nourished podcast and all things are groovy. Um, all right, so let's talk a moment about Dr. Campbell before we bring her on. Dr. Becky Campbell is a board-certified doctor of natural medicine who was initially introduced to functional medicine as a patient. She struggled with many of the issues her patients now currently struggle with today, and she's made it her mission to help patients around the world with her virtual practice. Dr. Becky Campbell is the founder of drbeckycampbell.com and the author of 30-Day Thyroid Reset Plan and the four-phase histamine reset plan, which we'll be spending the majority of our conversation focusing on today. She has been featured on multiple online publications like Mind Body Green. Hey, we're uh, cohorts there. Um, Bustle, Pop, Sugar, and more. She's been a guest on the Balanced Bites podcast, Harder to Kill Radio, now the Naturally Nourished podcast. Hey, hey, hey. And serves as a expert in thyroid health and histamine intolerance. Dr. Campbell specializes in thyroid disease, autoimmune disease, and histamine intolerance, and hopes to help others regain their life as functional medicine has helped her regain hers. 
Welcome, Dr. Campbell, to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's been a long time coming and (laughs) (laughs) a lot of fun rewrites of schedules, but we made it happen, girl. So here we are. (laughs) Yes, for sure. It's been crazy with all this stuff going on, but we did it. Yes. And uh, histamine intolerance has been a long request from my listeners. You know, we talk a little bit about dysautonomia. We talk a little bit about mast cell disorders. We talk about SIBO and the role of the gut, but I really wanted to allow this opportunity for you to share your work with the four-phase histamine reset plan. And to do so, let's give our listeners a little 101, assuming that this is their first intro to you know, what histamine is, um, Mm -hmm. is it, is it necessarily good or bad? And, um, what happens when you experience histamine intolerance in the body? Yeah. So histamine is something that's really, really vital to our body. It's just that it gets a bad rap because we hear people say like, I take antihistamine medication. So you assume you want to block out histamine, right? But it's, it's really important. It's, it's a really important part of the immune system. It helps us to, um, you know, get rid of allergens and alerts the body of potential pathogens. And it's also really involved in digestion and it's a really good messenger between the brain and the body. So we definitely want histamine. The problem is, is that after histamine comes in to do its job, it's supposed to be broken down by some enzymes the main one being DAO, that's kind of the enzyme you hear people talk about mostly with histamine. And, and then it's broken down and it, it doesn't become a problem. Well, when you have a histamine intolerance, you are usually lacking the, the proper levels of that, that DAO enzyme. And there's various reasons which we can go over which that happens. And so you release this histamine to do its job, but then you can't break it down properly. So then it, there's you know, histamine receptors all over the body and it's getting in all over the body at high amounts, and it causes so many different random symptoms. And that's when people really start, you know, they can't, they don't feel well. And then if they eat high histamine foods, it's they get aggravation of those symptoms. So that's really what we refer to as a histamine intolerance. So it's basically that the body has, and, and we can talk about some of the genetics in, in a little bit, um, but that the body has the inability to break down or process this necessary immune compound and there can be various receptors in the body that get over bombarded by his right. exactly. And, and, and so let's talk about some of the common symptoms and then maybe tying those symptoms into potentially some of the receptor sites, because I know that for many listeners, it's probably shocking. We think of, you know, itchy eyes and skin conditions, but to know that there's uterine receptors and that yeah. there's hormonal connections, yeah. um, let's kind of d- dig a little deeper, but let's talk about the symptoms. And as we get into them, what that impacts on more of a a functional approach or that root system that would be impaired. Yeah. So there's a lot of different symptoms. Um, And I think that, you know, histamine intolerance is a little bit different in when you have like thyroid issues versus adrenal issues, um, you know, something along those lines, because it can really overlap. But I think that histamine intolerance does have a little bit of a more unique set of symptoms Um, And some of them do overlap with that stuff too. But so migraines, um, it's one of the most common symptoms I see. It's definitely something I struggled with very much, you know, especially after eating high histamine foods before I realized I had this. Um, Low blood pressure and then also uh, tachycardia, which is like an increased heart rate. So a lot of people will be eating and they might notice their hearts kind of racing and they, it's scary, you know, and it causes anxiety because you don't really understand why that's happening. Um, and then anxiety, obviously flushing is very common. You know, people might notice certain foods make them flush or, um, you know, the weather makes them flush because heat is, uh, you know, makes your body release more histamine. And, um, you know, we've all seen certain people who they are just, they, they get red and they stay red you know, or if, you know, you work out and you get really, really red when you work out and then you have a hard time coming, kind of coming back to your natural color, that's usually a big giveaway. Eczema or any type of dermatitis. Um, I definitely had that and it was not fun. <laughs> it was something that was always, you know, t- my tell, you know, I could, yeah. I knew if I was eating the wrong food Off because plan. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
um, hives, but not everybody with this gets hives. I mean, there's plenty of people who've never had hives in their life who have this, but then some people get random hives and they have no idea why. And that's definitely a big giveaway. Um, diarrhea, you know, I think more than constipation, probably vertigo. A lot of people get vertigo or just dizzy in general. There's, there's a little bit of different types. You can get vertigo, um, but you can also get that like low blood pressure, orthostatic hypotension type of thing going on when you stand, go from sitting to standing and you get really dizzy. So I think that those are probably the most, you know, common things I see, but you know, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> and a lot of overlap. So mm-hmm. I know my listeners are really familiar with the influence of cortisol, you know, having antihistamine yeah. effects and, and that being one of the connections of the adrenals. I, I know you mentioned that uh, people that have, I don't think you use the term adrenal fatigue, but adrenal insufficiency or are dealing with HPA axis imbalance mm-hmm tend to be higher susceptible and you threw in thyroid. So if, if the adrenals have that direct connection of cortisol, what's the thyroid piece? Is it just that thyroid is integrated within that HPA axis or is there a mechanism on histamine metabolism or liberation based on the thyroid hormone? So when you have too little thyroid hormones, so hypothyroidism, you actually have an increase in your mast cell production. And mast cells are one of the cells that produce histamine. So that will lead to more histamine in the body. And then when you have too much thyroid hormone, you get an increase in the histamine receptors. So you're getting more histamine Ooh. into those receptors that way. So really it's both, both ends of the spectrum. Both yeah. ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how it all kind of works together. Wow. And, and how about some of the mechanisms of histamine on metabolism and hormones? Let, let's go a little bit into that. Yeah. So, um, well, you know, if it's affecting the thyroid, it's affecting the metabolism because that's right. kind of our metabolism, you know, center right there. Um, so that's kind of how I would connect it to metabolism. And then, you know, with uh, thyroid disease, or I'm sorry, with um, histamine intolerance, you know, the more histamine that you produce then, or let me actually start this over. When you have, it's very closely tied to estrogen. Yeah. So estrogen is a very big trigger for histamine release. So the more estrogen you have, then the more histamine you're releasing in those reproductive organs. And that is why you'll see people talk about their menstrual migraines. And it's not Mm -hmm. always tied to histamine intolerance, but if you have a histamine intolerance, you tend to be one of those people who gets either the once, you know, the one time a month monthly migraines, either right before your cycle, or right before ovulation, or I mean, right before you actually menstruate and right before um, ovulation, or you're lucky enough to get it twice in the month, <laughs> both times, you know, when the estrogen rises, that again, it's really kicking up that histamine. And histamine is a vasodilator. So in migraines, mm. you know, come Hence from dilated. and the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the vertigo and all that. So um, migraines are vasodilation. So um, that's, you know, one of the biggest questions I think I get is why do I get migraines right before my period or why do I get them right when I, you know, right before I ovulate? And that's usually why. Hmm, that's so interesting. And, and so when we're looking at histamine, let's kind of unpack, right, how do we get it? So there's both exogenous and endogenous, basically what we take in from the diet, foods that are mm-hmm. high histamine, and then our body can create histamine as well. Let's kind of distinguish that for listeners and conditions within the body that would, you mentioned already, estrogen dominance being one, right? That yeah. would produce more histamine in the body. Um, let's maybe start there so we stay fluid. How, yeah. what, would, what would stimulate or drive the body to produce more histamine? And then we'll go into diet interventions and foods that would either liberate or would uh, create or provide histamine. Yeah. So I always like to look for the underlying cause of the histamine intolerance. So when you're looking at that, you're either looking at things that mechanisms inside the body that produce more histamine or things that break down your body's ability like break down the enzyme or reduce the enzymes that break down histamine. So in the book, I talk a lot about these different um, issues that do that. So the first thing is mast cell activation syndrome. 
it's what I believe and many other, you know, uh, practitioners I, I know believe is probably the most common cause of histamine intolerance. It's what, why I have histamine intolerance and the, it, it's a little hard to differentiate between the two, but the way that I like to differentiate is histamine intolerance without mast cell activation syndrome can come from things that we're going to go over in a minute, like gut infections, for example, that mm-hmm. you know, the bad gut bacteria increases in histamine in the body, right? And then it also reduces that DAO enzyme because it's primarily made in the gut. So you could have that bring on histamine intolerance, and then you could fix that underlying issue, and then you can really get rid of the histamine intolerance. But with mast cell activation syndrome, it's, it's not really fully understood exactly why we have this. Um, but it is known to be, you know, in families, like my mom has this, I have this. And the, what happens with mass activation syndrome is you start just, um, your, your mast cells do something called degranulation. So they basically dump out these, um, inflammatory chemicals like histamine Mm -hmm. and they, there's a lot of different reasons that that can happen. So Normally, the immune system will release histamine if they sense like a pathogen there. But with mass activation syndrome, it can be that the weather is too cold. It can be that you smell mold. It can be that you smell perfume. Like people are very chemically sensitive with mass activation syndrome. So it's not even like an actual maybe threat to the body, but you're, because of this syndrome, your body senses it as a threat or perceives it as a threat and starts dumping histamine. So you get very symptomatic with all these strange things. And there's about 200 triggers. <laughs> so, and that can even be neurological, right? So just yeah. an episode of stress, uh, oh, yeah. like, a, like an interview for a new job, even something that could be a positive thing could activate the mast cell, right? Absolutely. Stress is one of it the biggest. Yeah. <laughs> stress is, I, I think it's the biggest trigger for all, for histamine intolerance in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know for me, if I've been nervous or under an enormous amount of stress, I will, I can tell I am just dumping histamine mm-hmm. and not necessarily now, but you know, it was more when I was first figuring all this out, uh, you know, quite a, a few years ago, but so that is probably the, the biggest reason why people have this. you know, I think that you tend to know, like I tend to know when I'm working with people if they say like, I've just never really felt good and, you know, or they say like, I used to, like for me, I used to pass out in the heat when I was a kid and mm-hmm. I would get migraines as a kid, which isn't really that common. That's, you know, now knowing what I know, I know I have mass activation syndrome. I've also tested for it, but, right. and you know, someone with just a histamine intolerance might not get a symptom until they're in their thirties. So that's kind of what triggers me when I'm working with someone to think mass activation syndrome versus just histamine intolerance. Sure. So that's probably the main cause, in my opinion. Um, but definitely issues with the gut, you know, like you said, making it in the body um, versus taking it in like with a food. So mm-hmm. we have good bacteria in our gut, but we also can, can build up some bad bacteria and the bad bacteria will increase that histamine and increase inflammation in the body. And so that, you know, if you don't have enough of that DAO enzyme to break that down, you're going to have an issue where you're going to start getting really sensitive and you're going to not be able to eat the foods you were once able to eat and all that because your body just can't handle the, the load of histamine it's taking. Um, Vitamin deficiencies, definitely, like B6 and copper and vitamin C, those are the most common. They all have, play a big role in the uh, breakdown of, of histamine via the DAO enzyme. Okay. So, you know, like, like B6 helps the DAO enzyme break down histamine. And then copper and vitamin C help us to produce more of that DAO. Okay. So there are ways if you have decrease, you know, a decrease in this enzyme, there are definitely ways to build it back up. And that's what I work with people on doing. And that's what this whole, you know, the point of this book is about is it's not really like, hey, don't eat these foods ever again. It's like, well, let's right. stop eating these foods for now. And let's kind of look for some of these underlying reasons why you might have this intolerance to the histamine. And then so, as always, as the environment changes, you have mm-hmm. to 
adjust your, uh, I guess, level of how tight you are with the protocol, whether you go back to that reset level because of a new stress environmental change or because of the toe fungus you just identified and knowing that you're prone towards candidiasis from a flare. And then you kind of can can reset based on, on higher avoidance, I guess, from those foods. Yeah. And that's what I like to call the histamine bucket. I mean, I definitely okay. didn't coin that term. I wish I did, but um, it's you know basically where if you just think about having a bucket and you're filling it with you know nutrient deficiencies, hormone imbalances like estrogen dominance, poor diet, stress, medications that reduce the DAO enzyme, environmental issues like mold and the gut bacteria. Let's say you fill that bucket with that stuff your bucket is going to be full. Mm-hmm. So when you go to eat a high histamine food, you're going to react. And then if you start working on those things inside of that bucket, you will start to be able to tolerate more and more high histamine foods. And just like you were saying, it can change from day to day because it can be all stress levels. You know, yeah. So you know, if I'm going on a you know, recently I went to California for something for uh, work and I had to do, you know, go to multiple cities, so multiple flights and I live in Florida. So it was a long flight to get there. And then, you know, a lot of um, screen time and stuff that is just, you know, it's pressure. So do you think I, uh, any high histamine foods during that trip? No way. (laughs) No way. (laughs) So, but if you put me on vacation and I have, you know, I'm having a great time, I can probably handle a lot of high histamine foods. So it really just matters on what's going on day to day sometimes. And it's that balance of less enzyme suppression from stress and Mm -hmm. really cleared pathways. Um, So what are some of the foods? Let's, let's go into that. How would one navigate? um, And let's talk, I guess, first the top high histamine foods. It, and I think that the gut connection is maybe the most, at least in my scope of, of, of last decade of functional medicine, I think the gut connection is the most kind of known because as a yeah. practitioner, I think, okay, you don't tolerate probiotics, uh, you know, live active yeah. cultures and you're getting XYZ symptom. Definitely there's a histamine intolerance. And I think fermented foods, you know, those are kind of the, the yeah. first things, aged fermented live cultures. Yes. Um, but let's unpack that even deeper and why, what, what is that fermentation? How does that create histamine and, and what foods would people start with avoiding? Well, when food ferments, you know, the, the, the bacteria turns into histidine. So that's what we, you know, here is as histamine. So it's literally creating histamine mm-hmm. in the food. Um, so there, and there's certain types of bacteria that increase it. And there are certain types of bacteria that actually break it down. So that's why probiotics, you know, you have to be really careful with what probiotics you're taking and um, what probiotic, you know, some probiotics are going to actually help you in this situation and some are going to hurt you. And but, which ones are generally tolerated for those that have histamine intolerance? Um, you know, I actually really like the product from Seeking Health called Probiota Histamine X okay. because it's full. He literally, ben, you know, Dr. Ben Lynch designed mm-hmm. this probiotic to help to break down bacteria, the, the histamine producing bacteria. So it's a lot of the, you know, a couple of the bifidobacteriums. Um, the lactobacillus DD is, is probably the most well-known, um, it, you know, it, it downregulates histamine receptors. So that some people will just take that alone. I remember when I first started trying probiotics again, I took just lactobacillus DD because it was the only okay. one I could take. So, um, but yeah, so you have to be careful with which ones you can take and, and not take. So if you take a, a probiotic and you feel like your symptoms increase, it's probably because it's fermented and it's increasing the bacteria, the histamine mm-hmm. via the bacteria. And it's the same thing with fermented foods. It's you're getting uh, histamine producing bacteria on, you know, being is being produced from those fermented foods. So you know, and, and it's unfortunate because a lot of people are told to eat fermented foods right. to, to increase gut health. And it, they do if you don't have histamine intolerance. But if you have histamine intolerance, they can really mess you up, mm-hmm. uh, make you extremely symptomatic. So, you know, that's why there's no one diet for everybody, right? Right, right. most <laughs> definitely. And especially yeah. if your root cause of the histamine intolerance is dysbiosis. <laughs> right, going exactly. Further off with the bacteria bomb and there's a battle going on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and then like you said, aged meats for sure. Um, 
you know, if, if I have talked about this, you know, we're always told not to rinse our meat because it can spread, you know, bacteria or, you know, especially like chicken. It, it makes sense. You don't want it all in your sink and stuff. However, mm-hmm. it's, it does help to get some of that bacteria that produces the histamine off of your meat. So when you do have histamine intolerance, it's a different story. Um, so that's, you know, having it uh, fresh and rinsed is the best way to do meat. So I, I by no means tell people not to eat meat because I'm such a meat eater myself just mm-hmm. because it's what my body likes. And um, so, you know, we talk a lot about leftovers. You don't yes. want to eat leftovers because the longer food is sitting there, it's the more bacteria it's producing. So that's why the instant pot is a great way to cook your meat versus like a slow cooker because the longer something's cooking, again, it's producing more histamine, mm. which is why bone broth right. <laughs> can be a Stop big problem. Sometimes versus broth, yeah. I've seen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that um, some some fruits like citrus fruits. You know, some people will do okay with lemons, and then they can't tolerate oranges and limes. It really depends on the person. You know, I, I usually ask people to try them and I have them keep a really detailed food journal because I want people to be able to eat as much as they can and not everyone's going to react to all citrus fruits. So, um, but definitely anything canned, you know, like canned tuna fish or canned chicken that is going to, it's literally just sitting in there. Like it's like a histamine haven inside (laughs) that can. (laughs) Um, I mean, hot tub. <laughs> it's short. Yeah, it, it is for sure. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have a hard time eating tuna salad next to lunchtime. <laughs> mean hot tub. <laughs> um, you know, seafood, unless it's really, really fresh, can produce yeah. a lot of histamine. Um, and then everyone hates this answer, but avocados, because everybody mm-hmm. loves avocados. You know, I knew for me, I used to get a migraine immediately when I would eat avocados and I did not understand why, but I ate them all the time because it didn't really make, sometimes it's, sometimes you get a food reaction right away and sometimes you don't. Right. But like, I was like, I didn't know if it was the avocado or what I was eating with the avocado, but, um, you know, now I can eat them again, thank God. But, (laughs) um, you know, vinegar containing foods like olives, pickles, mustards, that kind of thing. So those are the foods that are high in histamine. But then Mm -hmm. there's also foods that they're not themselves high in histamine, but they actually liberate the histamine release from your body, like whatever's we already have in there. So alcohol, I mean, so how many times have you heard someone say, I drank red wine and my face got flushed? Right, right. Or your nose starts running. You know, I, I see that a lot. Um, chocolate, definitely chocolate, which is why people get those migraines. A lot of people get chocolate-related migraines or even alcohol-related migraines. Mm-hmm. Um, strawberries, bananas, tomatoes. And then there's also like the DAO enzyme-blocking foods. So um, alcohol also blocks the DAO enzyme and um, different teas do. So like a lot of people are into green tea and black tea, but those are both actually DAO enzyme blocking foods. And coffee can be too. So it's not that coffee is necessarily high in histamine, but it can block the DAO enzymes. So, you know, I'm always, I always tread lightly with coffee with people. I mm-hmm. personally don't drink coffee, but I know that asking some people to stop drinking coffee is like, it's just not going to happen. So I say at least try to get a really clean you know, type of coffee, you know, mm-hmm. no pesticides, no mold, that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, so those are kind of the biggest hitters as far as foods go. All right. And now I want to go beyond whole food ingredients and talk about uh, concerns with chemical additives and even flavor enhancers and such. But before we do so, let's get a word from our sponsor, Further Food. Further Food makes the highest quality collagen, gelatin, and health food tonics. Their collagen and gelatin products are grass-fed, pasture-raised, and wild-caught, if we're talking about their cod collagen. And all of their products are non-GMO, hormone-free, and antibiotic-free. Now, if you don't have histamine intolerance, you would find great benefit from collagen and gelatin as tools in your daily repertoire because these provide us 
nutritional compounds to support against leaky gut, aid in connective tissue health, that means hair, skin, nails, as well as things like tendons and ligaments in your body. It's all totally connected. Uh, I personally use collagen in my coffee pretty much daily. Uh, I do one or two scoops to support my body's needs. And it does provide protein as well, which is great for lean body mass and creating sustained energy. I also use their gelatin in many recipes of the anti-anxiety diet cookbook. You'll see that you guys that I incorporate it even in my low carb collagen, uh, chocolate chip cookies, my uh, low-carb collagen zucchini muffins is what I was going to say. I don't think the word collagen is in my cookies, but I use collagen and gelatin in my chocolate chip cookies. And then the uh, zucchini muffins use the collagen in there as well. I also will add it into Stella's pancake batter and all sorts of places to ensure that our guts are happy and our connective tissue is resilient and elasticized. Becky and I talked about the benefits of collagen and um, included a lot of research on it in an episode of the Naturally Nourished podcast called All About Collagen, where we talk about the use of it in double-blind, randomized clinical trials with successful outcomes for cellulite, yep, that's right, ladies, as well as support in vascular integrity. That means keeping your blood vessels elasticized and less prone towards cardiac incident. Uh, check out Further Food when you go over to furtherfood.com, put in the code AllieMillerRDS at checkout. That will provide you a discount on your first order and let them know that you learned about them through the Naturally Nourished podcast. So we always appreciate that. Go on over to furtherfood.com, put in the code AllieMillerRD, check out their quality collagen, gelatin, as well as their mindful matcha and their turmeric tonic, and enjoy using their food as medicine products at a discount when you use AllieMillerRD at checkout. Okay. And then are there any high like additives or processed ingredients that um, mimic or drive histamine liberation or, or histamine activity in the body? Um, like I'm thinking like uh, any chemical additives or preservatives that people should know about. I mean, I think that chemical additives and preservatives are just a no in general. I'm sure I honestly have not researched that specifically, but I can tell you they probably do drive histamine because they drive inflammation. You're going to hinder metabolic process, right? Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, but there are some spices that do, you know, uh, that are high in histamine, like cinnamon and curry, um, nutmeg, you know, things that people just would really never think about. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. And the wine is, so wine, you get the alcohol impact, which interferes mm -hmm. with DAO enzyme, you said, and then liberates histamine. And then- And it's fermented I was going to say wine so, itself yeah. has, right? So that's yeah. like triple Yeah. Hit. Yes, but, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, so it's, And that's why I clean spirits might do a little better. Again, kind of good, better, best. You got to navigate what you're putting in your bucket. Maybe you keep yeah. the chocolate or the coffee or occasionally- clear tequila with soda water and a lime. Yeah. Or white wine is better than red um, okay. or like vodka and, you know, clear, it's like vodka, there's a potato vodka. And then like you said, like, the, like clear tequila, like those are much better. Mm -hmm. um, so there's different things you can do if you don't want to feel like you, you know, some people just, they have a very hard time socializing without alcohol or whatever. And they, it, that's really hard for them. And so I try to lead them. I, I mean, I'm very upfront with people in the beginning. And I say, you know, in the beginning, you're not going to have alcohol regardless just because I'm doing so much to try to get you healthy. But once you get to a, a more stable point and we worked on your gut and we've worked on all these things and you want to try to start reintroducing alcohol, these are the kinds that you sure. should try. Right. I think that's always... The goal is, uh, you know, you, you don't unfortunately get that food freedom until you've healed your body and it's necessary to be restrictive to heal the body and push that reset button from all of the damage. You got to get, get to a repaired place for certain. Yeah, um, you do. You have to be committed. I mean, uh, there's no magic pill. Yeah. And so you've got to be willing to go through the work uh, to get, get where you need to be. But I think both of us know from working with people that you, you get better if you just put in the work and then you can start to, you know, feel like quote unquote more normal and, and, you know, try some other things that you weren't able to have at one point. Yes. So you have a ton of delicious looking recipes that, you know, still fit the constructs of 
a clean paleo and, and even for individuals, uh, listeners of mine that are keto, that would still fit, like you said, as, as long as you're mindful about your protein preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about what I think is really interesting for many listeners probably is that this is one of those like some superfoods can be someone's kryptonite, right? Like yeah. you said, how, right? Like kimchi, which we, we talk about the benefits of for the bifidobacteria and the fermentation process for butyrate regulation. And we talk about bone broth and gut integrity. And, and so that might be kind of confusing and, you know, yeah. on avocado, <laughs> so right? What are some of the like superfoods or, or is it more about just navigation of trying to stay in a space? Like I, I think that there was a cool area of your book where you talk about uh, quercetin. Yeah. Um, what are some of the functional nutrients of interest for listeners and maybe some quote unquote, like superfoods to accelerate the process yeah. of, you know, getting closer to histamine tolerance or supporting that, that metabolic pathway in the body? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm not a big fruit person personally, and I do believe that people should not eat a ton of fruit in general because of blood sugar support. But there are some fruits that are high in quercetin and quercetin helps to um, support your body's histamine levels. So the apples are really high in quercetin. Um, So I did definitely, you know, make quite a few recipes with some apples, just Mm -hmm. especially, you know, with my thyroid book, I didn't know dessert recipes because like I said, I'm just not a big sugar proponent, like um, in general, but the, the restrictions on histamine uh, intolerance are a little tougher than they are with thyroid. So I wanted to give people the feeling like I can do this and yeah, look at these desserts I can have. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I did add, I did definitely put in some, some dessert ish type recipes. So, so apples, um, red onion is really good for helping break down histamine. Sage is good. I have fresh sage outside and I use it all the time. Um, and you know, most fresh herbs, um, broccoli is a really good antihistamine food. Uh, kale, you know, a lot of different greens are just spinach is high in histamine. So you want to stay away from spinach if it's a problem for you. But other than that, a lot of greens are are really good. Raw asparagus, um, blueberries, you know, strawberries and raspberries can be a problem, but blueberries tend to be good. Uh, and I mean that there's a whole list I gave, but I, I try not, like I said, I try not to have you eat a ton of fruits. I don't want to just sit and start naming a bunch of fruits. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and in general, is it, so you mentioned some of the cruciferous, um, yeah. and, and we're looking at like then in that sense, maybe like the Eindol three carbonyls or the sulfur support, or is sulfur something to navigate as far as yeah, sulfur can actually be a problem for some people, um, with histamine intolerance, if they're just really, really bad, but it kind of comes more from like getting into genetics there, I think. Okay. Um, but no, they tend to do fine with cruciferous vegetables. Um, and you know, there's on, I have to say that I have like a yes, no, maybe list in the book. And I hate to talk about all the foods that you can eat. So I'm glad you're asking me about the other ones because the (laughs) yes list, yeah, the yes list is huge. I mean, you fennel, like fennel is a really good antihistamine food. Um, artichokes are really good. I actually put an artichoke soup in here. You know, there's so much that you can have that you really will do well with and not feel like you're missing out. If you look at the focus on the foods that you can have. So I really try to have people focus on those yes foods. And then even within the recipes, because in phase one, I'm allowing you to have the yes and the maybe foods. So in the recipes, you'll see that I put like, if you're in phase three, which is where you would start removing those maybe foods, then take this out and put this in instead. So like I have different, um, alterations for some of the recipes too. I see that with like the lemon and lime kind of type. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Cool. That's so helpful. I think that will be such a fantastic guide to help people navigate. Uh, let's talk a little bit about 
supplement support and medication. So the, the common question I think is probably, well, couldn't you just take an antihistamine, <laughs> an over-the-counter antihistamine? Mm-hmm. What are considerations or concerns there? And um, what are some natural compounds? Like, do you recommend an acetylcysteine and quercetin or vitamin yeah. C with bioflavonoids? Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, antihistamine medication actually reduces DAO in that enzyme. So it's helping short term, but the second you stop taking those antihistamines, your histamine receptor, it's basically blocking the histamine receptor. Creating a dam. Uh huh. And so you're you're removing that block. And so what do you think is going to happen? You're going to be flooded with histamine. (laughs) Yeah. So um, more natural, like quercetin and stinging nettle, those type of things are, you know, quercetin is probably the most well-known and recommended supplements when it comes to histamine intolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically works almost the same way that, that the uh, um, antihistamine medications do, but it doesn't reduce the DAO enzyme. Okay. So okay. people find that they can really eat a lot more foods if they're taking something like quercetin. Okay. Um, vitamin C, of course, is really, really good um, for histamine intolerance and honestly just for, for supporting the immune system in general. Mm-hmm. Um, DAO, you know, it's, it's tricky to uh, take this as a supplement. It's not like something you would necessarily take every day. It's more supplements you take when you are know you're going to do something that could make your body release more histamine. So like, let's say you want to have some wine, that would be a good time to take a DAO supplement. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. one, of the, one of my mantras with certain products is, this is a insurance policy, not a permission slip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's not... if you know you're going there, <laughs> this would be yes. something to use. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, um, okay. I like to do, you know, uh, lining of the gut support. So I have a product called Ultimate Gut Support, but you know, L-glutamine and, and those type of things that um, help you because leaky gut is a really big avenue for helping us to get histamine intolerance and just inflammation in general, you know, and, and autoimmune disease. So I, I definitely like to have people support the lining of their gut. I, I, if I'm working with someone one-on-one, I won't put them on that until I've tested their gut because I want to get to the, the source of the leaky gut also. Sure. But if it's someone who's not working with me and I'm just like recommending a few things, that would be one of them. Like an L-glutamine with mucilaginous compounds. Yeah. And because they can't do the bone broth likely because of that long, slow simmer, you know, 24, 36 hours, I kind of breezed over, but we had said some people could do stock and just kind of up their tolerance based on, I guess, how they're healing, right? Yeah. So that could be a, a testament to your to your progress is going from a four-hour chicken stock to a true bone broth, I guess. And, and or, or would you not suggest that? Well, I actually just do bone broth in the Instant Pot. Okay. Um, so for two hours, it literally comes out the same as if you do it for 24 hours in the crock pot. Mm-hmm. So that's how I do bone broth and I make all my soups with that. And I've never had a problem where with bone broth that's cooked for a long time, I do have a problem. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So I do, I'll give the recipe in the book, but I mean, it's, you, you, it's so easy to make, you know, you just basically are putting whatever you would normally use to make your bone broth into an instant pot, cook for two hours and it's done. I mean, it gels just the same as, as it does in the, in the crock pot and everything. So Sure. And it's, it tastes great. Awesome. <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah. And then you can make your artichoke soup and all is good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And how about um, on that vein, um, collagen and gelatin, have you seen that to be an issue? I have. Yeah. Okay. It's funny. I did an Instagram post yesterday, I think, and I had so many comments about collagen and it wasn't even a post about collagen, but um, it was, you know, basically collagen is like, it's kind of like you know, a, it's kind of like leftovers. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's aged. Yeah. So um, sure. I put that on my maybe list because some people are okay with it. Okay. But what, what about four or five different people, they were kind of going back and forth with each other were saying was, I loved collagen, you know, because it helped my nails and hair grow, but my scalp was so itchy when I was on mm. it. And I saw you talking about this on the video. I stopped taking it and my scalp is totally normal now. And then another girl was like, me too. Me. And then, you know, so 
Yeah. Um, it definitely, definitely can make your histamine, you know, go, it, the levels go too high and, you know, flaky scalp is one of the biggest, you know, signs of histamine intolerance for sure. And that's where that dermatitis, psoriasis, eczema type of picture kind of comes in, yeah. whatever it is for you, you know, whatever, where it is on your body and what, whatever you refer to it as. But Sure. I think that's a good, a good thing for people to hear because I think a lot of people go right to gut or, you know, gut pathogen, and then they go mm -hmm. cleanse, 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 cleanse. And they're not thinking outside the box of other elements that they might be thinking again, the ferment fermented food, maybe I'm intolerating because of my gut, but it could be the overall bucket fill of the histamine response. And that's why you're not yeah. getting your resolution. Yeah. And also it can be liver congestion. Like, sure. you know, if your liver is congested, you're going to start using your skin to detox so that's mm -hmm. when you're going to see acne and you're going to see skin, different types of skin issues, which is another reason, you know, plus people with histamine intolerance tend to be poor detoxers. They tend to hold on to toxins. Yes. Um, so I support the liver always when you, you asked about N-acetylcysteine. Um, I use a product that has that in it um, because I think liver support is so important for so many different things and, and sure. histamine intolerance just being one of them. Right. But then it regulates the estrogen dominance and, exactly. and, and it's like boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and that's yep. the beauty. I love that upstream medicine because we get the synergy of beneficial outcomes instead of you know, hopefully the undesired side effects. Yeah. <laughs> so when you correct a root cause, hopefully you get that spill in areas that maybe you didn't even know were a concern in the first place. Yeah. And we start by, by getting your body ready for the treatment, you know, like mm -hmm. when I'm starting someone on liver support and a histamine reducing diet, I'm getting them ready for me to do what I find on their testing. So if I'm going to have to work on the gut and start killing bacteria, but you're a poor methylator and you don't push toxins out yeah. well, you're going to feel terrible. The die off so, is not going to be a good time. <laughs> no. And I almost, I have, I can tell you that I almost never have a patient with die off because we do four weeks of liver support first. Yes. That's so great. yeah. And that's what's, that's what is great about functional medicine. We really kind of think of things in steps and like getting your body ready and what is it ready for now? And, and it, things change. And that's why when you work with someone they can change your, the things you need to be doing at different times of your life, depending on what's going on. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think it's so helpful for everyone to have their own ideally, you know, practitioner, the detective of the body, but it, it really does help when someone takes the time and energy like you did, Becky, with putting together such a guide for people to be empowered to start the process on their own. And, and I think that there's a lot of entry points that they can examine with the way that you've laid things out. So it's a really great work. Yeah. And I wanted to, you know, being a practitioner and writing a book for people who, you know, you might not work with is not easy. Yes. <laughs> so I had to do it for two different people. One was the person I'm going to work with and one was the person I'm not. And you'll see in the book, I say, if working with a functional medicine practitioner, ask for these tasks or do this. If working by yourself, do this because right. I wanted to give everybody at least something to do. And I can tell you that most people just do the book and they're fine. Yeah. What happens is if they just need more investigation and they can't do it on their own, that's when they call and they make an appointment and we start doing testing. But totally. with, with histamine intolerance, it's really like reduce your stress and cut out high histamine foods for a while and maybe, you know, do a few little things and you can do really well on your own. And Love it. and if you don't, then, then yeah, work with someone, but it's not feasible for everybody. So I right. really try to help people who can. Can I, that's the last thing I want to ask is on the stress level. So is there anything for listeners to be mindful of as far as um, herbs that are commonly used, you know, in the world of adaptogens or nervines that, you know, have an, a, an harmful impact on histamine um, or what are your favorite go-tos to support the HPA axis and aid with stress resilience and tolerance? Yeah, I don't see many that are um, aggravating the situation unless it's something that you shouldn't be taking. Like, like if you're taking bovine adrenal gland and you have really high cortisol, sure. it's probably okay. not the smartest idea. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of neutral, you know, like um, ashwagandha, rhodiola. Those are pretty neutral. Mm -hmm. And then there's like um, phosphatidylserine, which is helpful if your cortisol is high. You know. Based on testing, I put people on all different stuff, but if you're trying to, you know, again, do it without testing, 
there's plenty of neutral supplements out there that support the adrenals. And that's going to be more like your ashwagandha, roliola, that type of family yeah. um, that won't make you go high or low. It's just going to support that HPA axis and, and help kind of keep you in line. And something like L-theanine could be very appropriate. Yeah, for exactly. It's really calming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Awesome. Good. Then I think all my listeners have those tools in their tool belt. Um, so let's just let everyone know where they can find you. And also, can you share a little bit? Um, Dr. Campbell is going to give you guys a free guide that will help you start your process to look at symptoms. So let's share both of those things and um, then I'll let you go. Okay. So my website is drbeckycampbell.com and I have a bunch of articles, not just on histamine intolerance, but you know, a lot of other thyroid, adrenal, whatever, you know, you name it, it's probably on there. I do specialize though in histamine intolerance and thyroid. So it's what, what it's mostly focused on. And then my Instagram is at drbeckycampbell and I try to post a lot of different stuff on there whether it's infographics or me dancing while telling you what supplements to take. (laughs) Bless your heart for going into the world of TikTok. That's (laughs) right. I don't know if I can do it. (laughs) It's fun. You have to. You have to try. Um, You just have to ignore the comments that people leave. Oh. Um, (laughs) And then YouTube, you know, I try to make videos, but I also post all those videos on Instagram. It's all, every social media channel, I'm just Dr. Becky Campbell. Cool. And then, so the ultimate histamine guide is basically, you know, the question I get is how do I know if I have histamine intolerance? So I wanted to put together a guide showing you the most common symptoms of histamine intolerance and the most common high histamine foods so that you can do your own little test. And so what you do is you start eating the high histamine foods for a few days up to like a week. I mean, if you feel terrible on day one or two, I would not recommend you push yourself through a week of that. Yes. (laughs) But what you're looking for is an increase in current symptoms or any new symptoms. And it doesn't have to be symptoms on the list, but you will notice uh, most of the symptoms would probably come from the list of symptoms I'll give you. And then you remove those high histamine foods for a week and you see if you notice a difference. And if you notice a difference, you pretty much know you have histamine intolerance. Sure. So it's the cheapest, easiest Mm -hmm. way to do this. Yeah. Love it. Always come back to that elimination diet gold standard or, you know, Mm -hmm. change the variable, try to keep the environment normal. And maybe you need to extend a week if it was a stressful week and you're not sure. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. But yeah, all that to take into account. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. I think that all of our listeners have learned a lot. I hope you all will go over to drbeckycampbell.com and check out all these things. I will put this guide uh, as a link on the show notes. So wherever y'all are listening, you can make sure that you go on over to the show notes and click the link to get your free guide to determine if you have histamine intolerance. And um, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you guys for listening. All right. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.